This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Battlefield Space. And are we really in a breakaway civilization? Well, the article comes from The Drive under their the War Zone category, and that's thedrive.com, and it's titled, Recently Retired U.S. Air Force General Makes Eyebrow-Raising Claims About Advanced Space Technology. It begins, Recently Retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant General Stephen L. Quast, that's K-W-A-S-T, gave a lecture last month that seems to further signal that the next major battlefield will be outer space. While military leadership rattling the space sabers is nothing new, Quast's lecture included comments that heavily hint at the possibility that the United States military and its, and its industry partners may have already developed next-generation technologies that have the potential to drastically change the aerospace field and human civilization forever. Is this posturing, or could we actually be on the verge of making science fiction a reality? Well, this is something that some people have been saying for a long, te- long time, that we actually already have a breakaway civilization. This has come about uh, in remarks that were attributed to Ronald Reagan and, and uh, comments he supposedly wrote down where he talked about a, flace, a fleet of space shuttles and already having an ongoing um, airspace command. Uh, Alex Jones has talked about this a lot, his belief that we're actually, uh, there is a breakaway civilization living parallel to us, and there's so much more going on that we don't even know about. And when generals come out and say stuff like this, it really lends credence and support to those theories. It explains a lot of the things that we're looking for explanations for. And when this general tells us that these new technologies or new ideas are being created and implemented through a partnership between the government and private industry, we know what that means. What that means is public dollars are being used to create these new inventions and then these new inventions aren't paying back in public dollars. They're being funneled into private endeavors. Outside of prying eyes, private companies that don't have to respond to FOIA requests and private companies that can make millions and millions and billions of dollars off of these newly developed technologies that you and I's public tax dollars funded to begin with. But I digress. The article goes on and says, Who is Stephen Quast? According to his official U.S. Air Force biography, Lieutenant General Quast graduated from the United States Air Force Academy with a degree in astronomical, astronautical engineering and also holds a master's degree in public policy from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. Quast, was, Quast previously served as commander of the 47th Operations Group of Laughlin Air Force Base 
and the 4th Fighter Wing at Seymour Johnson AFB. Quas boasts more than 3,300 flight hours in the F-15E, T-6, T-37, and T-38, and over 650 combat hours. Lieutenant General Quas most recently served as Commander of the Air Education and Training Command, AETC, and Joint Base San Antonio, JBSA, but retired in August, according to some reports. According to some reports, Quast was prematurely relieved of his duties at JBSA and blacklisted for promotion after speaking out on space-related issues. Despite a service-wide gag order, Quast declined to comment on the reports and retired on September 1, 2019. It goes on, despite the controversies surrounding his removal from his post at AETC, some defense analysts and Lieutenant General Quast's own supporters within the armed forces were suggesting prior to his retirement that he should be appointed as commander of the Pentagon's budding Space Force. Quast has published several op-eds in recent years pushing for the U.S. military to take on a greater role in space in order to ensure American economic dominance and what he sees as the continued proliferation of American values. Getting the high ground. Quast delivered a lecture at Hillsdale College in Washington, D.C. on November 20th, this would be after he retired, 2019, titled, The Urgent Need for U.S. Space Force. Quast's wide-ranging speech described the power of new technologies to revolutionize humankind, referencing the competitive advantage the discovery of fire offered to early humans and the strategic value that nuclear weapons offered the 20th century superpowers. When it comes to current revolutionary technology, Quas says, the power of space will change world power forever and that it's up to the United States military to leverage that power. He's quoted as saying, As a historian, reflecting on the fact that throughout the history of mankind, technology has always changed world power, but the story of rejecting the new and holding and clinging on to paradigms of the past is why no civilization has ever lasted forever, and values are trumped up by other values when another civilization figures out a way of finding a competitive advantage. The nature of power, you either have it and your values rule, or you do not have it and you must submit. See that play out again and again in history, and it's playing out now. Now that's interesting. He says it's playing out now. He doesn't seem to be talking about some imaginary event in the future. Mr. Quast, General Quast, he seems to view this as an ongoing conflict right now in our face. And that should tell you something. This guy, from what they say here, basically got canned for warning us of what's around the corner. And he's not shutting up. He's going to Hillsdale College and delivering the speech. Now, if you don't know, Hillsdale is pretty much known as a very conservative college uh, with uh, Judeo-Christian values. And you'll hear it frequently uh, promoted by people like Rush Limbaugh, uh, Mark Levin, 
So it's on the conservative side of the column. To me, this would be the opposite of the deep state. He's going to a college where uh, their values that he's talking about, their values are things such as absolute truth. That there's a supreme being, almighty God, and that man uh, comes to God through Christ, and this is where we get all of our uh, religion, uh, religious beliefs, a do unto others, uh, all the sort of Judeo-Christian beliefs that hold our society together, that make people want to do right and not just look out for themselves. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And what he's saying is, he's saying, listen, this stuff that's coming around the corner, this stuff that basically he's telling is already exists, it hasn't been released to the public yet, but if the wrong people get a hold of this stuff, it has so much power implied that they're going to be able to tell you what you believe in. And we've seen this come out a couple of times uh, in press releases from like the recent one from the guy in NASA where he says, well, what will happen to our values if we find there's life on Mars? So they're looking at something that's so powerful that it not just it doesn't just uh, release a new technology on the planet, but it shakes things up so much that it just basically wipes away every uh, religious construct known to man and replaces it, well, probably with the worship of the people that bring that technology. And he's saying, you got to get a hold of this stuff before it gets into the hands of the wrong people. You know, it makes common sense. We didn't want Adolf Hitler to have the nuclear bomb because we know that the whole outcome would have been totally different. You don't want this super high technology in the hands of truly evil people. If someone's going to have this technology, you want it to be in the in the hands of people that believe, hey, if I create too much evil on this planet, I may go to hell and burn forever. There has to be, this stuff has to be held with people who have breaks. And right now, the deep state doesn't have any breaks. They are the last people on earth that you want to have this new super technology, this new UFO metamaterial. This stuff has to be in the hands of people that have the correct values, that have a belief that they can't hurt people, that they have a responsibility to do good, that follow the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not do unto others before they do unto you. All right, can you start to see this thing line up, and can you start to see that this general seems to be on the side of the good guys? And when he starts to talk about what's behind the curtain, he's out of there, man. And this is another thing that makes it so scary when we have these basically secretive private companies teaming up with the U.S. military and the deep state to monetize this stuff. People need to understand that we we're past... We're past the mocking and the debunking of UFOs. These guys have got their hands on something, whether it's from another planet or another dimension. 
And what people like this General Quash are trying to say is, listen, it's here, okay? The pilgrims have landed. The conquistadors are on the coast. And they have firepower and horses. Now, how are we going to deal with it? Are we going to let the deep state deal with it like the Inca did? And your whole civilization is wiped out? Or are we going to try to empower good people to deal with this stuff so that we can retain our way of life? And that's what General Guas is saying. We, we need to retain our moral compass. He goes on and he says, We can say today, as, okay, I want to start from the very beginning here. As has been common as of late, General Quas cites rapidly growing Chinese military and technological advances as a reason why the United States must invest heavily in new space-based technologies. We can say today we are dominant in space, but the trend lines are what you have to look at, and they will pass us in the next few years if we do not do something. They will win this race. And then they will put roadblocks up to space, Quashed argues, because once you get the high ground, that strategic high ground is ground, it's curtains for anybody trying to get to that ground behind them. Well, what's China done in the South China Sea? They're already trying to take over the planet. Why wouldn't they try to take over space? It's naive to trust these people. And it's not the Chinese people. It's the Chinese Communist Party. It is a group that has polar opposite moral values to our Judeo-Christian values. And people can deny that all they want, but that is the truth. Quas claims China is already building a navy in space, complete with the space-based equivalents of battleships and destroyers, which are able to maneuver and kill and communicate with dominance. And we, the United States, are not. Quas' speech centers on the thesis that the United States needs a space force in order to counter Chinese advances and win the competition over the economy of the future. And as an extension, who sets the values of the future? He says, space is the navy for the 21st century economy, a networked economy that will dominate any linear terrestrial economy in the four engines of growth and dominance that change the world, power, transportation, information, energy, and manufacturing. Whoever gets to the new market sets the values for that market. And we could either have the market with the values of our constitution, or we could have the values we see manifest in China. Yes, a country where 150 people a day are murdered so their organs can be given to Communist Party members and the rich of the planet that go there to collect them. That's what's happening in China. That we know of. Over 150 people murdered every day so their organs can be harvested. And that's not even to mention what's going on with the Uyghur Muslims in the north of China. What, a million of them put into prison camps? Their, their wives and children taken away from them? Their wives farmed out like, like property to become the wives of Chinese men? It's disgusting what's going on there. And the only thing close to it would be what happened under Hitler in World War II. They haven't got to gas chambers yet. But they're on their way there. He goes on and says, China has also been developing mothership aircraft from which rapidly and unpredictable from which to rapidly and unpredictably launch 
space planes, and other payloads into space. The country has also launched several eyebrow-raising satellites in recent years, which some analysts claim could be used in anti-satellite warfare. Beyond all this, they have been investing heavily in a traditional space program that includes many facets of manned and unmanned space technologies that rivals in some ways exceeds our own. Corst argues that scientists, engineers, historians, and strategists of today have been pushing the U.S. Congress to more heavily and more rapidly fund the space and associated technologies, but there is still some pushback and confusion as to why these are presently needed. Quast ultimately makes the case that the United States must be able to bring kinetic power, non-kinetic power, power, and informational power to the battlefield cheaper and faster than its adversaries in order to ensure strategic advantage in space. Around 12 minutes into the speech, Quast makes, and you can find the speech there on the drive.com, around 12 minutes into the speech, Quast makes some somewhat bizarre claim that the U.S. currently possesses revolutionary technologies that could render current aerospace capabilities obsolete. Quote, The technology is on the engineering benches today, but most Americans and most members of Congress have not had time to really look deeply at what is going on here. But I've had the benefit of 33 years of studying and becoming friends with these scientists. This technology can be built today with technology that is not developmental to deliver any human being from any place on planet Earth to any other place in less than an hour. Wow. Now you're talking 12,000 miles an hour there, right? Roughly 24,000 miles around the globe, not quite 25. You can go anywhere, so that puts you 12,000 miles in an hour. 12,000 miles an hour compared to what a current jet driving maybe five, six hundred miles an hour. Even the even what did the Blackbird go? 1,200? I don't know. We're talking 12,000 mile an hour craft. Quas comment is only one of several curious comments made by military leadership lately, and they do seem to claim that we could be on the precipice of a great leap in transportation technology. We also don't know exactly where he is coming from in all this, as it is not necessarily the direct wheelhouse of someone who's running the Air Force's training portfolio, although it does have overlaps whether or not the revolutionary aerospace technology Quast mentions have actually been developed is one thing. But Quast lecture, his recent op-eds, and his supporters make it clear that there are many within the U.S. military and analyst community who have felt that there is a great new need to boost investments in American space technologies and the U.S. military's presence in space. That vision is certainly taking root across the Defense Department. Is all this setting the stage for a new space race that will benefit mankind by furthering scientific and technological development, or is it ushering in the conditions for the first great space war? Only time will tell. But according to Quas, the technologies needed to win that war may be more science fiction than fact. Excuse me, <laughs> I misstated that. Only time will tell, but according to Quas, the technologies needed to win that war may be more science fact than fiction. Now you can find this article on thedrive.com. And it's, it is an in-depth article, and there are a couple of videos on there with Quas speaking. But to me, what's not 
only important what this article says is what it doesn't say, what it's implying. And I see what, what the article says on the face of it is, Quas sees a potential, quant, a potential conflict between the United States and China. And he's urging the U.S. to develop a space program uh, to meet the threat, the Chinese threat. And that's all and good. And Kwas seems to, he seems to say, well, people are thinking of this in the old terms, and that's why they're not preparing. But, you know, I, I'm a little more conspiratorial than that. After seeing the way that uh, a duly elected president has been treated, after seeing all the crimes that are currently being committed by the Chinese Communist Party, and as I said, they're rising to the level of an Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin, after seeing this criminal enterprise in China, and then after seeing our own Democrat government officials and some Republicans, quite frankly, come to the aid and support of the Chinese government while they pilfer our secrets, while they send their tens of thousands of young minds to steal all sorts of economic and military secrets from our universities. I mean, we are in the middle of being robbed, and yet our own politicians and a certain party wants to defend these people as they pillage our country. To my mind, when you have the people at the top of the food chain, the people at the top of the Defense Department, pretending like the Chinese are not a threat and that we don't need a space force, I don't, I don't view that as institutional incompetence. I view that as borderline treason. And I have to ask myself if some of these people at the very top aren't already in cahoots with the communist Chinese to keep our country in a position that's indefensible. And I think it really falls upon our president to listen to people like General Quast and do the right thing and to protect this country against what is going to be the new arms race. That's one front. And the second front is that we need huge transparency and disclosure as far as the cooperation and the uh, partnerships between our own government and this rash of new UFO companies that's beginning to emerge. Because we're fighting two fronts here. We're fighting the front of the communist Chinese that want to take over this country, quite frankly. And we're fighting on the front of people who claim to be capitalists. They're actually mercantilists that want to gain control of all this new UFO data and metamaterial for their own financial benefit. And in the middle of these two rising powers is the public, the United States public, who are at risk of losing their own values, their own way of doing things, as, as the general says. We're at the risk of being taken over because the wrong party is on the verge of getting a hold of this spectacular new space technology, or whatever you want to call it. I thought the article was good, but like I said, there's also a lot more to this, more than you could cover in 20 or 30 minutes on a podcast. I would highly suggest you go over, read the article. It's on thedrive.com. They have lots of good stuff there. And see what you think. If you like this program, stop by anchor.fm, and you can become a supporter of the program. Any amount you give is appreciated. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, saying over and out.